In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I am going to give you my top 10 players on my big board as of February 24th. Find out who did not make the list. Find out the biggest surprise. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is not a crisis line. It is not self-help. It's a professional therapy done securely online. It is available to people worldwide. And they have a special offer for my listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. That is betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. I am solo dolo for today. And it is because I want to share with you my top 10 players on my big board. Trying to decide do I start at the top or do I start at the bottom? All right, you know what? Let's let's start at the top. No changes at the top. It is Victor Wimbayama. Wimbayama is having a phenomenal season for the Metropolitans 92. He is leading the French League in points, rebounds, blocks, showing just a, a wide range of skills that we have not seen on a seven foot five player. I mean, we haven't seen too many seven foot five guys as is. But we've never seen anybody with the ball handling, the, the shot making. And, I mean, <laughs> nothing has really changed. Nothing has really changed at all. I think he made the wise, the wise decision to leave Asvel, go to the Metropolitans 92. It's a unique situation where everything is structured around him. And he, he pretty much saved that organization. I mean... From what I've heard, the organization was running out of money. There was a chance that they were going to get demoted, and he's pretty much saved the organization. Now, we don't know what's going to happen going forward, but Wimbayama is, without a doubt, the number one pick. The gap between number one and number two probably really hasn't been wider. Um, I know, at, you know, at some point, and even, even for myself, I thought it, it could, um, you know, it could close a little bit, but... Wimbayama is for sure the number one pick. And if I were a betting man, which I'm I'm not, even though it's probably not good since we got a lot of uh, sponsors about betting, but I think Wimbayama goes to the San Antonio Spurs. That's just not insider knowledge. That is just if I were to, to place a bet and think the best fit or where he's going to end up, it would be San Antonio. Now, here are some concerns that I have in this episode. I'm going to give you a little bit of concerns about each of my top 10 guys. The biggest concern I have is that his national team duties are going to wear him down. Like right now, he's playing in the season. Even though his team is only playing once a week, he is playing for the Metropolitans. This is his second window for FIBA. And I imagine if he's playing right now, then he's probably going to play at the 2023 World Cup this summer, which means he's going to play his season in France. Then, it, well, if they go to the finals, 
it's going to go into late June, which is already going to impact the NBA draft, which I've been told he is going to be at the NBA draft, even if he's there to shake hands and he has to catch a jet and and finish playing in the finals. But that's still a, a ways away. Summer League, I, I can't imagine him playing a lot of Summer League. And then he would have the the World Cup, and then he would go right into the season. So it, it, it's an issue that a lot of international players may face. I, I talked to a friend of mine who told me that he had not had a summer off since he was like 16. And I think he may have been like 27, 28 at the time because every summer, like for international players or European players, they have obligations, whether it's qualifying for the national or not qualifying, but qualifying for different um, events, whether it's the Olympics, um, the World Cup. Then in the summer, they have different events. And so even though he loves to play everything I've heard about him, he loves to absolutely play. It's just going to be interesting to see if he plays a lot of competitive basketball this summer and how much that um, you know just kind of has an impact on his rookie year. But very minor, very minor. All right, the next player, obviously, Scoot Henderson at number two. And Scoot has only played 18 games this season. I know he had a, a great game last night. And I've tried to watch Scoot play four times. The first time was in Las Vegas when he went up against Wimbledon. Had a phenomenal game where he had like 28 points, nine assists, five rebounds, led the Ignite to the win. Then he got hurt in the second game. Then I went to watch him play a couple weeks ago when the Ignite were in Dallas to play the Texas Legends. He didn't play that game. So they come back again. So hopefully I'll get a chance to watch him live one more time before Summer League. Um, but but school has been good. And his injuries have been weird. Like I know he had an ankle injury, but he had like a, a nasal fracture. He had a concussion. And he's he's been good. He has lived up to the hype. The shooting has been... I mean, he's he's made some strides as a shooter. Um, I wasn't too concerned about it last year because he went from basically high school to the NBA three-point line, so I knew it was going to be an adjustment to try to you know, extend his range. But prior to last night, he was shooting about 37% from three, 74% from the foul line, averaging 19 points, five rebounds. He's been good. Now, here's the concern. While Scoot is a phenomenal athlete, he has big hands, he's strong, he's shifty, he has all the physical tools to be a really great finisher at the rim. And I was doing some research, looking at the numbers. He's only making 56% of his shots at the rim. 56% of his shots. In comparison, that is the same percentage as Sharif Cooper. Now, Sharif is generously listed at like 6'1". I do not think Sharif Cooper is 6'1". They must have been measuring like his fro or whatever. But I do think it is a little bit concerning. And of course, sometimes finishing at the rim, you got to, you know, there's context around it. Is there floor spacers around him? So on. But I do think it's a little bit concerning that he is shooting the same percentage around the rim as a small guard like Scoot Henderson. And then when I looked before, there were guys that were, I mean, of course, they're older that have a similar athletic profile that were shooting significantly higher at the rim. But again, it's just like I'm nitpicking here. But I mean, I, I have concerns like there's no such thing as a perfect player. All right. At number three. And this is. Uh, kind of difficult i still have brandon miller at at number three 
and I did a whole episode uh, a couple days ago about the Brandon Miller situation. I just, I just hate that he's even involved in this situation, whether it's directly or indirectly. I just hate the fact that when his name comes up, there's controversy. Everything I heard about him prior to a couple of days ago was that he was a great kid, great reputation. And I do think that the media has made like him a bigger focus than than Darius Miles and, and the homicide. I mean, some of the click bait articles and some of the articles that I saw at the very beginning or were saying that basically made it sound like he handed him the gun. Like he's the one that said the heat is in the hat. And we'll come to find out that, at least based off what we know right now, that hasn't been true. He basically brought the gun that was in his car. I mean, it's it's a bad situation. It's a very bad situation. But just based off of what I see on the court, he's a number three prospect. And I don't think the gap between two and three is, is wide, in my opinion. And I felt like the game against South Carolina, even though South Carolina is not a good school, it just showed what he's capable of. 41 points, 8 rebounds. I think he was 6 of 13 from 3. And he made two clutch baskets, both going to his left. And I know when I made my comment about Brandon Miller possibly taking him number two, and I had like all these people giving me these breakdowns and these stats about he can't finish at the rim. I mean, I got literally blasted that day. For my comment, and I stand by what I said. I think if you're Detroit Pistons, if you got the number two pick, you take Brandon Miller. And I, I don't care about the whole take the best player available because if the best player available is not in the best situation for him, then he may not be the best player available. But anyway, there were so many people. I mean, just talking about he is the worst finisher at the rim since. Zaire Williams and Zaire Williams was playing with a hurt knee, yada, yada, yada. Brandon Miller has been finishing efficiently at the rim since the start of the season. And with the game on the line, he made two clutch layups going to his left hand. So all that talk about him being a bad finisher and bad athlete and struggling creating his own shot, nonsense. I think Miller is going to be a star. I just hate Again, that this whole situation has put a, a black eye on his name. But even then, that's still minor because there are much, much bigger problems. And it's just an unfortunate situation. Prayers to, to the family of the, the, the woman that was killed in this situation. I mean, it's just weird for me to even talk about that. But just based off of basketball, Brandon Miller is the number three player on my big board. All right, when we return, we'll talk about who's number four, five, six, seven, eight, all the way down to number 10. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And when you are at your best, you can do great things. But sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel a little overwhelmed or you feel like you're not showing up in the way you want to. And working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. Because when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws at you. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, you have to try BetterHelp because BetterHelp is a great option for you. It's convenient, it's flexible, it's affordable, and it is entirely online. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime you want to. And there is no additional charge. If you want to live a more empowered life, then therapy can help you get there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today. You can get 10% off of your first month. Again, visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. All right. The first three players on my big board, Victor Wimbayama, no surprise there. Scoot Henderson, no surprise. Number three. I have Brandon Miller. I've had him pretty much the majority of the season. Um, that is debatable. I mean, just depending on the different big boards you see, there's going to be some some movement there. Right at number four, I have Keontae George. And a lot of people may have Amin Thompson, but I'm going to tell you why I have Keontae George. Now, Keontae is a player that I think could be similar to Devin Booker. I think that he is one of the better shot creators in this class, even though the numbers don't necessarily match the eye test. I think he's a much better shooter than the 39% he's shooting from the floor. I think that he is, again, a better athlete than people give him credit for. I know I've seen like some questions about his athleticism i think he's a guy that just doesn't rely on being athletic to to score he had a, a dunk against kansas that i'm sure the non-believers in his athleticism had to scratch their head there um still the fourth leading scorer in the big 12 big 12 is the toughest conference in the country again the 39 percent is concerning i think he's shooting like 35 percent from three which is which is solid he's been a little up and down i know he had a a two-game stretch where he only combined for like 10 points and then he backed it up where he combined for 43 points and he made 11 out of his 20 shots from deep i think uh they played kansas and kansas state again the efficiency is concerning also he's only shooting 54 percent at the rim which is lower than scoots that is concerning there 28 percent on guard at catch and shoot attempts and he has more assists than turnovers in 28 games however it's concerning, but my eye test and my gut feeling is telling me that Keontae George is going to be a star. So that's why I have him at number four. And at number five, I have Amon Thompson. Amon Thompson is probably the most explosive athlete in this class, and he's arguably the best passer. Once you factor in, he's 6'7", with a listed 6'11 wingspan. He should be able to defend multiple positions. And you have one of the more promising prospects, probably in recent memory. He's still a wild card. I think that NBA teams are still trying to gauge overtime and how to evaluate players from overtime. And, I mean, we did an episode on overtime a couple days ago. I haven't been out there to see them live, but I have interviewed and talked to a lot of different people with different opinions on overtime. One is overtime is better than regular high school basketball. You have a lot of four and five star caliber players that are playing there. I've heard the professional development is good, especially off the court. I've heard that people may think it's a little gimmicky because... You know, the stuff that they may have to do as far as like the TikToking and the social media stuff. But overtime is a 
It's really a social media company. It's a content company. That's a basketball league. They've expanded. Actually, met a few people from overtime at Basketball Without Borders this past weekend. One concern I heard from a scout that I, I mentioned in a previous episode was that it's hard to determine um, the heart and how guys from overtime respond under pressure because there isn't like a Big 12 championship. There isn't a Big Monday. There isn't. You know, like Michigan versus Ohio State or Duke versus North Carolina, UCLA versus USC. There isn't like the the heated, intense rivalries, which, you know, I I get it. But Amon Thompson has been phenomenal, even though his brother won MVP. Now, the positives are, again, the athleticism, the passing, the defensive versatility. My concerns, my personal concerns are... Not much has changed as far as the shooting over the last year. It's always been like a glaring weakness. The shot hasn't improved. Um, He's only shooting 28% on jump shots overall. 23% on jump shots inside the rim. Does not have like a mid-range pull-up game, which I think could be somewhat of an issue in the pick and roll because teams are going to go under and he can't really make them pay. And he's only shooting 28% from three. But shooting, in my opinion, can be fixed. Reputation, I'm sorry, rep, repetition, a good shooting coach, that's if you have touch, good touch. I think he's shooting like 60% from the free throw line, 62%. So I am a little bit concerned about his touch. But if you're a swing for the fences type guy or scout or you believe in just your developmental program and you can fix the shooting, then you could end up with a with an all-star, a very, very high-level player. All right, at number six, a big mover is Jairus Walker. Jairus Walker has played, I mean, he's he's definitely played himself into the conversation of being a top-five pick. I was high on Walker coming into this season. His film really popped out to me in, in high school at AMG. And then I kind of had him in, like, the back end of the lottery and I remember a scout that I really respect told me, you got to go to a practice. You got to watch him practice and you have a better feel for what he can do. Over the last few games, he has showed what he's capable of. Like I said, I think he's put himself in the conversation to be a top five pick. He did have a four game stretch in like late January and February where he averaged like 20 points per game, shot 58% from three. And he's, I'm sorry, 58% from the floor and 55% from three on four and a half attempts per game. Now, I'm not 100% sold on the shooting touch, even though the shooting numbers are respectable. At one point, like maybe like a week ago, it was like 42% from three for the year. I think right now it's about at 37. He's really shooting well off the catch, 40% on jump shots off the catch. But the 61% from the foul line is probably a good indicator of his shooting touch maybe it's somewhere in the middle but it's hard for me to really trust the guy's shooting and be 100% sold on it if he's only shooting 60% from the foul line even though the free throw even though the three-point percentage may be high I know a couple years ago that was my issue with Jamias Ramsey from Texas Tech he was shooting a good percentage from three and I remember a scout told me like you can't be in the middle you have to decide is his shooting touch from three the numbers is that more of an indicator of his touch or is it the free throw line he's like you gotta pick you gotta pick one and um 
I mean, I haven't seen Jemais play in, in a while. Um, but, I mean, that, that made a lot of sense. All right, when we return, I'll finish out 7 through 10. But I want to talk to you about the most electric player of the week. And it is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And the player of the week for me is none other than the guy that I just talked about and had an episode on earlier this week. It is Santa Clara sophomore Brandon Pajemski. Pajemski. Hopefully I said it right. If you don't know about Pajemski, only played 69 minutes at Illinois last year, transferred to Santa Clara, and he has been absolutely killing it. And he had a big game last night with NBA scouts in attendance. 23 points on 10 of 21 from the floor, four assists, but here is the big stat. 18 rebounds. He is a guard, a 6'5 guard. He had 18 rebounds. He's averaging 8.7 rebounds per game, 20 points, three assists, shooting 47% from the floor and 43% from three. The numbers, I mean, the numbers are the numbers, like, his nose for the basketball and how he rebounds is crazy impressive. So that is why Brandon Pajemski is my most electric player of the week. Speaking of electric, the Nissan Aria, it is brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful, elegantly powerful, and it delivers on duality, a combination of fierceness and elegance, beautiful but strong, it is the perfect SUV crossover. And the 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one electric vehicle. It's the all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria. It is the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. All right, last segment. All right, we started off at number one. And that is Victor Wimbayama. We got Scoot Henderson at two, Brandon Miller at number three, Keontae George at four, Amon Thompson five, Jairus Walker at six, and at number seven, Nick Smith Jr. Now, Nick Smith Jr. could be the prospect on the rise. He could be top five, top four when it's all said and done, especially if he can string together some performances like he had against Georgia. He has been battling knee issues all season. I mean, they call it like right knee management. And in the game against Georgia, he showed why a lot of scouts thought he was the top guard in the country coming into this college basketball season. He scored 26 points. But more importantly, he has shown that he's not trying to just protect the stock. He's not trying to pack it up and not play the remainder of the season. I personally think if he didn't play and just had some amazing workouts, based off his reputation alone and what scouts saw from him and some of the high school all-star classics that they attended, that he would have been a lottery pick. But he clearly isn't satisfied with just being a lottery pick. He's showing, you know, a competitive nature. He's showing that he wants to get out and play, and playing is more important than protecting his stock. And I think if he can, can continue to put up good numbers – he could be a top five pick. What's special about what he's doing is that he's been in and out of the lineup. More than likely, he is nowhere near 100%, and he's putting up these big performances rusty. So that is impressive to me. Now, I, I do think teams are going to want to dig a lot deeper into you know, what is causing the issues with his knee. And the only concern I have outside of 
of his knee is what is is his best position. Now, I mean, you can say it's a good situation to have. Some scouts I've talked to, they think that he is a primary. Some scouts think that he's more so of a combo. But either way, the versatility, I think, could allow him to play next to a ball-dominant guard, play off of him, or I think he could play as, as a point guard. We'll see. That's just kind of nitpicking. So there is a little bit of concern or division on what is his best position. But I can honestly say that I've been impressed. The games that he has played without like a minutes restriction, he's been really good. And I think he's a much better shooter than the shooting numbers have shown so far because I'm, I'm basically saying that without the rust and the, the nagging knee injury, He's a much better shooter than the numbers. So Nick Smith at number seven, but he could be on the rise. And speaking of being on the rise, at number eight, I have a guy that I've been high on. I know I'm higher on him than the consensus. And that is Gigi Jackson, the youngest player. Uh, you know, maybe if Bilal, I, I don't know if he's older or younger than Bilal Kulabi, um right now, just off the top of my head. But I am huge or a huge Gigi Jackson fan. 18 years old, started the season at 17. He is a guy that I think would be the number one pick in the 2024 NBA draft if he didn't reclassify. I saw ESPN put out their 2024 draft, and I I, I do not think 2024 is a strong class. As of right now, as of February 24th, I do not think that 2024 is a strong class, and I think he would be the number one pick in that class. What I love about... Gigi Jackson is his ability to create on his own. I think he's a four man, but how many fours do you see that can handle like he does, create his own shot? I mean, when I watched the game against Alabama, he was scoring off ball screens. He had a play where he got a ball screen, shot a pull-up jumper around the free throw line, had a play where he shot a pull-up three out of a ball screen, had this play where he drove to like the, the elbow, stopped, turned around, hit a half spin, fadeaway jumper. Then there was another play I saw where he drove the defender, cut him off baseline. He was able to shoot a pull-up. I mean, i big fan of his shot making. Now, again, the numbers aren't great. He's not in the best situation either, but it's weird. He's not in a good situation as far as like his the teammates that are surrounding him, the caliber of players that he's with. His team isn't winning. But I think he's actually developed in this role. And he showed that, I mean, he showed that he can score. I think with better players around him, he's going to be fine. I'm, I'm just high on Gigi Jackson. And I think that in workouts, he's going to he's gonna, he's gonna look good. Because you don't really see too many, like I said, fours. I think that's his best position. Fours with his shot making and ball handling and I think he can also play a role as a garbage man if he needs to I mean that's what he was playing a few years ago I think he's going to be able to shoot the ball well so I'm high on Gigi Jackson my concerns are the same concerns I'd have with someone that is a little bit younger for his class he has shown moments of being immature (laughs) it's kind of funny because uh somebody had reached out to me and I forgot who they played, but there was a game that they played where he didn't get the ball late in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, not fourth quarter, but late in the second half, they they kind of just didn't take advantage of, or South Carolina did not take advantage of his shot making. He kind of left out. So somebody had reached out to me and said, "Oh, I, I commented 
that South Carolina is misusing Gigi Jackson and they said like he liked it or retweeted or something like that. So I ended up going on Twitter and I saw that anybody that said something about him not getting touches in the fourth quarter, he liked it. So he just had a series of likes. Then I guess he went on a rant on, on Twitter about his frustrations, which, you know, man, you pick South Carolina. You you knew South Carolina was not going to win a lot of games. But I still believe that he's in a better situation as far as, like, developing than if he went to North Carolina, which I know is probably – people probably think I'm crazy there. But other than the signs of immaturity, like the bad body language, I'm still high on him. I think that next year is going to be a major adjustment because he's going to start the season off at 18. And he, I mean, he's going to school in his hometown. So it's going to be a major adjustment from him for him being away from home. So it's going to be very important for him to have like a strong cast of people, whether it's his parents or someone around him, because he has shown some signs of being a, a little bit immature. To me, that's still minor. All right, at number nine, Cam Whitmore is number nine on my list. Cam was highly touted coming into the season. His freshman season was derailed because he had a thumb injury. There were a lot of people that thought he could be like the number three pick. I I think he has a, a difficult road ahead if he wants to get back to that range i don't have him top five right now he's been up and down um he is young first class still only 18 years old but he's averaging 12 points five rebounds per game 45 32 71 shooting splits through 21 games the numbers are okay i honestly thought that they would be a lot better but i do like the fact that he's six seven has an nba ready body he's listed at like 232 pounds has a good blend of power, athleticism, explosiveness, and he can't create his own shot off the dribble. I also believe his game is more suited for the NBA than college basketball. I also have more space to operate. But my concerns is he has been wildly inconsistent. He has scored under 10 points in, I want to say, like 10 of the 21 games. Now, for a guy that is as talented as he is, on a team that really needs his scoring to be competitive, it's a little bit of a concern to me. Again, he's younger for his class, only 18 years old, so I definitely have to factor that in. But the game that stood out to me this season, not like the big performance, but the game against Creighton, where he only attempted five shots. He played 33 minutes, and the game came down to like the final possessions, and he was nowhere to be found. Like, I do not remember him even touching the ball looking at the rim or being aggressive or assertive in the last five minutes, even the whole game, five shots, 33 minutes. I don't know if he was injured or what. So I have some concerns there. And similar to Gigi Jackson, both guys are on teams that aren't really good, but the assist and the turnovers are very concerning. Cam Whitmore has 15 assists this season in 21 games. And he has 38 turnovers. Not saying that I expected him to be like a playmaker this season. I did have someone tell me that they thought that, you know, he was an underrated passer. But the the, the 15 assists and 38 turnovers is a little bit concerning. All right, at number 10, wrapping up this episode, I have Anthony Black. And I owe Anthony Black an apology. I thought that Anthony Black was just going to be a connector. If you would have told me he averaged... 
eight points, five rebounds, four assists per game, I would have I would have believed you. But <laughs> if you would have told me that Anthony Black would average more points per game than Cam Whitmore, Casey Wallace, and Nick Smith, I would have been like, you are absolutely nuts. But Anthony Black has shown me something this year as as a scorer. But more so, he has his knack for getting to the line and drawing fouls. And it's not like his best attribute is, to me, his passing and his versatility. But his ability to score and get to the foul line has secured him as a top 10 player. I think he's also going to look better in the NBA with NBA spacing. Still don't know if he's a primary or a secondary or a wing ball handler, but either way, I mean, it's it's a good problem to have. I think he's going to help a team out right away. I love his feel for the game. I love the fact that he makes players around him better. Now, my concern is the shooting. He's shooting 34% on jump shots overall. Not terribly bad. 31% from three. Again, not awful. Not great, but not awful. It's the 71% free throw percentage. Again, it's not it's not awful. But I would love to see that number improve, especially as someone that's going to be like a ball handler, especially in late game situations. My biggest concern, though, is the shooting numbers or lack of efficiency shooting. Are they related to his mechanics? Is he going to need to change his mechanics? I still haven't decided on that yet but once i do a, a deeper dive and I'll, I'll i'll give my opinions if it's if his shooting inefficiency is related to his mechanics but right now it's too early to tell well that wraps up this episode thank you for making the locked on nba big boy your first listen of the day like the nba big boy podcast your first listen of the day now for your second listen you have to check out game to game nba every moment every top performance every result locked on game to game covers every game from across the nba with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. So follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow. Hope everybody has a great weekend. And I am out.